Welcome, race fans. This is Debris in Turn 3, the one and the only NASCAR fancast and fantasy racing league coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. My name is Matt. My name is Dan. Today on the program, we're closing out NASCAR's West Coast Swing and breaking down the race weekend from Auto Club Speedway in sunny California. We'll talk about the debacle that was qualifying. Kyle Busch's 200 wins, and later on in the show, we'll get into the newest nominees for the NASCAR Hall of Fame and predict who we think will be inducted as the class of 2020. Then later on, we'll look ahead to the first short track race of the season from the historic half-mile paperclip of Martinsville Speedway and, of course, their most delicious and famous hot dogs. Yes. And as always, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Debris and Turn 3. To keep up with the show and the Fantasy League, you can also find us on DebrisInTurn3.com. And this podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, which is our host site, and wherever you're listening to us right now. So please rate and review us because we want to hear from our listeners. We just want to feel validated. That's right, Dan, because seeking approval in others is the most important thing in life. Uh, which is, was exactly the thing on our minds when we began this NASCAR show deep in Yankee country. And, well, actually, Brooklyn, I guess, is kind of neutral territory. Yeah. I guess the Bronx is Yankee territory, the Queens are for the Mets, and here in Brooklyn is kind of a little mix and match of both. When I meant Yankee country, I meant more like modified country up here in the north. And, uh, well, race car drivers, however, are always seeking approval, uh, whether it be from their sponsors, team owners, or trying to get more fans. And the best medicine for all of those things is winning races, of course. So, Dan, uh, why don't you take us into the winner's circle and tell us who captured the checkers this past weekend? This week in the winner's circle, the weekend started off with the Mighty Modifieds as they had their season opener at Myrtle Beach Speedway. Doug Kobe came home with the win as he sets his sights on his sixth Modified Tour championship. I missed that race on Friday night. I really wanted to catch the season opener. Yeah, I had to work on Friday, but um, I was watching on Fans Choice TV, just sitting at my desk watching racing. There you go. That works. <laughs> yeah. Um, on Saturday in the Xfinity Series, Austin Dillon was a little baby and sat out of the race because he had the flu. Gosh. So <laughs> Cole Custer filled in and got the win at his hometown track and denied Kyle Busch of his 200th National Series win on that day. Yeah, I was kind of hoping to be waving the flag on Saturday rather than Sunday. Yeah, so on Sunday in the Cup Series, Kyle Busch, like I said, he got his 200th, 200th National Series win at the same track that he got his first Cup win. Yeah, it was, uh, pretty ironic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, started to steal your thunder, Dan, and dropping that uh, Kyle Busch win on Sunday. That's okay. <laughs> um, what's going on on two wheels and on the road courses? Well, the American Flat Track Series kicked off their season uh, midweek. Uh, uh, last week with Brian Bauman on his Indian number 14. He got 25 points in the win at the Daytona TT. They went up on the tri-oval in the banking, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's good. Uh, for the Wheeland Engineering Racing Cadillac DPI in the WeatherTech Sports Car Champion Series, 
piloted by Pipo Durrani and Felipe Nassar, took home the race victory in the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring. It was the second race of the season uh, after they started in the 24 Hours of Daytona in late January. And it was also Durrani's third win in the last four races at Sebring. Then they go back to when he was racing with the uh, Patron tequila-sponsored machine. So that's pretty incredible for that huge race. Yeah. Uh, the World Superbike, Alvaro Batista, swept the weekend, winning Saturday's Race 1 and Sunday's Race 2 of the Pirelli tie round. Now, since coming to the World Superbike this season from MotoGP, uh, Bautista is a former Suzuki factory rider and 125cc champion, but now he's racing for Ducati. And he's been putting on what the famed broadcaster Nick Harris would call the master class. Dude, this guy has won every single event since the start of the season, last, uh, the last event in Phillip Island in Australia. And that includes what they do in their series, which are Super Pole races. In uh, Formula One, Valtteri Bottas won the season opener at the Australian Grand Prix with a phenomenal drive and stood on the top step of the podium over his Mercedes teammate, Lewis Hamilton, and Max Verstappen in the Red Bull. And now, MotoXer 46 won the race in the debris in Turn 3 Fantasy League at Fantrax.com last weekend with a strong team that included Kyle Busch, race winner, Logano, Kozlowski, Suarez, and of course... Ricky Stenhouse, Gordon 24, Team Vegas Bound, Bristol, and Dirty Dog rounded out the top five. Into the Debris and Turn 3 Champions League, we called the Wave Arounders. I was able to get my first win of the season in the Mythos Motorsports team that had William Byron and Ricky Stenhouse, powerhouse driver on Sunday in fantasy, I guess, just edging you, Dan who said you were going to be going for the wins now on our last show. I don't know if you remember. I do. Uh, so although Kurt Busch scored you a big 35 points, Daniel Hemrick did not, getting you only eight. <laughs> no. Uh, but you too can be in the Wave Arounders by winning a degree in turn three fantasy league championship one day, perhaps. Uh, but first, you just got to join the league hosted by Fantrax, so you can visit DebreeInTurn3.com or any social media outlet uh, to contact the show and be on next week's entry list. You can enter at any point in the season to win a trophy any weekend that there's a race uh, and even some prizes uh, at the end of the year. And something fun that we thought we'd do uh, for the winner's circle to kind of include on social media, uh, if you're a driver or a fan and if you have pictures of like the feature winners from your local short track or if you want to race online on like iRacing, uh, a local go-kart track, anything. Yeah, if you just want to like gloat to your friends. Yeah, uh, just we'll yeah, submit them to us. We'll post them on Instagram, um, and it'll be part of the winner's circle. Uh, okay, so now let's move on to the bonehead move of the week. Idiot. You idiot. You're an idiot. You idiot. So this week for the bonehead move of the week, it was kind of hard to choose one because there wasn't really that much that happened out on the racetrack. Uh, so we're just going to go with Kyle Busch getting a speeding penalty and almost blowing his chances of getting that 200th he win. Nearly threw it away like it was thrown away on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday, however, it was no real fault of his own. It's kind of poor stop in that last. But this was the second week in a row with the speeding penalty on yes. pit road. Yes. So. Un unforced errors. Yeah. Like uh, DW would say, "Don't beat yourself." <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Don't yeah. beat yourself out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, he was able to. I think he started like 17th. 
and was able to drive back up to sixth. And then uh, the other caution for Bubba Wallace came out and you know, he was able to kind of able to rebound from there. And that's the bonehead move of the week for the California race. So don't forget to visit debrisandturn3.com on off weeks of the DIT3 fancast to catch up on brief race recaps and to keep up with us when Dan and I aren't podcasting. You can also leave a comment to check in with the show. You can do that by stopping by also the Instagram page, Twitter, Facebook, and let us know how crazy you think we are for thinking that Kyle Busch needs to win 147 more times in order to tie the king for the most cup wins. (laughs) But we're going to get into that a little more after we talk about, like I mentioned earlier on the show, the debacle that was the qualifying session. Yeah. So no one made it back to the line because they were all just trying to wait each other out on pit road and just like edging up to the line. And then eventually I forget who went first, but someone went of course, and there just wasn't enough time left in the session. So they missed, I think by like three seconds or something, the finish line. Yep. Yep. So times reverted back to the end of the second round, but I think it was Jimmy Johnson who said like, why wasn't pit road speed enforced like all this time? Like if it's if it's enforced during the race, why isn't it enforced throughout the weekend during practice and qualifying? Is it because there aren't crew members on pit road, so they it's not as much of a safety issue? Well, if you during the qualifying session, they kind of line up pointing out of the stalls, and mm-hmm. when they throw the green flag, they kind of just come to them. But so there are if you are further down pit road you're going to pass all those other teams, but they were stopping towards the end of pit road. And I guess then they, somebody goes, then everybody went, (laughs) but I didn't, they say before the session that they were enforcing pit road speed penalties that week. Yes. Right. So, Mm -hmm. but these guys just peeled off pit road after one another. Right. Was that? Yeah. But the the issue was, uh, no. Well, yeah, that's what his criticism was, I think, the week before. So now this week they had the pit road speed. Oh, I understand. But the issue was that the guys peeled off pit road with not enough time to get around the track. This week in California. Yeah. Correct. Right. Uh, yeah, because Jimmy Johnson may have been referring what was happening in the case of Austin Dillon, drag racing, Clint yes. Boyer yeah, off yeah, of pit. Yeah. Correct. Uh, maybe they weren't enforcing pit road speeds because these guys were killing the engines and coming into pit lane. And I guess maybe there wasn't this, uh, they had to get off the pit lane like so quickly. Mm. I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked myself, uh, but they do need to restructure something that happens here with uh, the qualifying. I also don't think it's necessarily NASCAR's fault is the drivers were playing these games. And how can we see at local short tracks, when you and I go out the Riverhead, mm-hmm. how many times have we seen the official come out and put his hand up, stop a guy, point him to one lane or the other? And you know, Where was the official walking out onto pit lane and telling them to clear that middle lane? Because they were supposed to line up on right. the right or the left, and the middle lane was... If I, Some officials should have been pointing at... And Denny Hamlin, I think, also was beyond the end of pit lane so basically mm-hmm. in the racetrack that the, an official should have been walking out and given the point that and been like go 
Right. Go. Time to go. You're out on the racetrack. You're going. Right. And any one of those guys in the middle lane, they should have been like, go, go. Right. So then maybe that's something that NASCAR has to look at and have the officials be enforcing stuff on pit road, but also uh, like in this instance where they didn't have enough time to get back to the start finish line. There, sh you should have to go out and make at least two laps. I disagree with that. No, I think these. I think all of these twelve guys should have started the last twelve guys in the in the starting grid. Wait, what do you mean? I don't. I don't follow. Because, okay, like Austin Dillon, it goes reverts back to his the the second round qualifying. I can live with that. But the, the but the the rules state you have to make it back to the line. If these guys want to play the game where they didn't make it back, they just screwed themselves. Right. Whoever decided to just go out there and just stand on it and drive around one lap would have been the leader. But that you bring it to another point. This is where we're getting to things different in NASCAR. With is it, do we they're, they're not going to get a single car qualifying game with TV. It's just not coming back mm -hmm. and. That's not. That's the testament of the car and the machine, the driver and the team making like the fast car. They, they got to do something with like race averages or like three three lap averages. That's what around. I'm saying. The, each driver should have to make at least two laps, and then uh, either the lap average or the fastest lap. That way, it stops guys from doing what they did this week, where they just stall as much as they can until there's not enough time left. You know, so you have to make at least two laps well what i th what i think that i was trying to get at was trying to compare how qualifying now was once uh, uh to the old single car qualifying mm -hmm. which was you you got in the car and you went out and you made one fast lap and it was who had the fastest car at the racetrack that weekend but then that also brings into you got to set up the car for qualifying. It takes time. It takes resources from the crew and the team. And at a time when I think NASCAR needs to find ways to consolidate the expenses and the times that the cars and the team spend out on the racetrack. And perhaps now at this point of racing where the reliability and well, as we saw in the race on the racetrack on Sunday during the race on these big, fast two mile ovals where speed and the the machinery and how long you could last your durability was a big factor on these types of races these nascar t mentioned departments aren't having those types of reliability issues like clint boyer was arguing about and complaining about being down a cylinder i feel like that was the first time i've heard a driver complain about you know being short a cylinder in forever yeah so i feel like this is part of the evolution of nascar where we need to as fans rethink the qualifying and the that it's this is an entertainment type of thing on tv and let's see them have like a little mini race like i mentioned right. in the winter circle the super bike series has a super pole race okay like let, let the so it's almost like a heat race in a sense essentially yeah they have okay. like a time trial right oh they have a, actually a group qualifying session pardon mm -hmm. and then they have a super pole race whoever's in like a certain the first 10 i think okay. uh now in nascar i like the group with the the first 24 and then the next but i think to get a session of cars out there is get these guys out there and you had to have like the best three lap average or something mm -hmm. and they'll be out there mixing it up racing trying to get behind and like there'll be more guys out there and i think it should be better for the fans at the racetrack that was the biggest thing 
that was a problem that would that upset me where all those fans that went to the qualifying session and mm -hmm. that was the, right. what they got the product yeah. they got so i feel like we're sort of saying the same thing but we're saying it differently because like, you're talking about like the lap averages of like doing three laps but nascar has to enforce that the car has to be out there on the track to do those laps within the amount of time they're given in each uh session uh, each round of the qualifying right I don't believe that just because they missed the time marker that they should have to still make those laps. Like the session is that long. It's your responsibility of the team to be out there on the racetrack during that time. And being mindful of things like your pit road speed mm -hmm. is all part of it. Jeff Gordon mentioned during the broadcast, he says he can't believe that these guys are even driving down onto pit lane and just parking it there. Uh, once they leave their stall, they should have to keep rolling and right. That's exit what I'm saying. You have lane. to go out onto the track and correct complete at least. You're right. One I or think we laps. are yeah. like on the same page. Just a different way of like of like getting there. I think the yeah. session needs to restructure a little bit and get away from the old way of thinking of single car qualifying like these teams are putting down this fastest lap. Now a lot of factors are important. Like your pit selection is huge, especially when we, like next week when we come up to Martinsville. Mm -hmm. And what if it's like a big race for a team and like you want that first spot. So you want that fast lap. Like you can't have guys taping up the nose and killing the motor across the start finish line when there's other cars like out on the racetrack. Right. That's why NASCAR, the, 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 the whole thing with their, the tires wearing, the weight of the tires, the amount of the weight of the cars, like the amount of laps out on the racetrack really makes like group qualifying different for NASCAR versus the other racing series. And although single car time trial qualifying may be more appropriate for heavy stock car racing like NASCAR, the entertainment value for the fans at the racetrack and for the viewers on TV, and especially what NASCAR is probably being demanded by Fox and NBC, is to get group qualifying like the other series. However, Formula One, IndyCar, IMSA, they're pulling it off a little better than NASCAR at the moment. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the actual race. Um, I mean, I feel like this was just kind of a typical Fontana race. There's only one thing to really talk about this race. It is Kyle Busch's 200. Yeah, race. let's not even talk about the race because, oh, I mean, the five-wide salute, that was awesome. Okay, uh, yeah, that was yeah, great. That was cool. Um, and the restarts, as always, with, I mean, really any track, you can say the restarts were amazing these you know, guys like, are so good the restarts are just awesome yeah. everywhere so and then for as far as the actual race goes you know it's fontana it's a huge two mile track they get strung out you know car lengths between each other and even they, they were passing but it was like the uh you know if you got side up to someone and then got side by side you kind of stalled out and then you would see a third car come by and just go right around the two of them that was like all the passing that happened all day essentially yeah. yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about Kyle Busch and his 200th win, which I don't even want to talk about because I'm so sick of all these NASCAR I fans so online sick. that are still comparing him to Richard Petty and saying, well, he raced against 20 people in the 60s for 20 laps. Like, were you around then? Are you looking at old uh, you know, race footage or uh, old record books that you know this? Like, where are you coming up with this shit? Well, there was a few articles that have been written trying to go back and look at old races and see who was in the field. And that is just being so nitpicky. And it's really 
like a revisionist view of history and trying to tear down the legacy of the king. Yeah. And worst of all, he's still here at the racetrack <laughs> every single weekend. Right. I, I just find it a pretty uh, distasteful, honestly. And listen, Kyle Busch's 200 wins is an incredible feat. He just needs 147 more to be <laughs> equal to the king in the Cup Series. Yeah. I mean, definitely a Hall of Famer, like we've said in the past. Uh, but he himself has said this multiple times now, that he doesn't compare his 200 wins in three series to Richard Petty's 200 in just the Cup Series. I was really hoping that he would have won that race on Saturday so we could have just done the whole 200 thing <laughs> in the Xfinity Series where he's won uh, the bulk of the races. Right. Yeah, 53 cup wins, which is still amazing. And now he said he wants to get to 100 cup wins. So let's see if he does it. He's, what, 33 years old? Uh, I mean, I don't think he's slowing down anytime soon. So No, he's still one of the fastest cars on the racetrack. You know, But Gordon has weekend. 93, right? Yes. And then the next is 107, I think. David right? Pearson. David Pearson, yeah. So mm -hmm. once, when he gets up there and wins a couple more championships then you can compare him to the king. Yeah. Well, if you, and then that's the other thing that people start going, oh, well, now you want to bring in championships into this also as yeah. the points system and the playoffs that we have now. Yeah. And there's just so many different things. That, and, and I mean, that's what makes auto racing great as far as I'm concerned. Because, we, yeah, we have these two eras of NASCAR. We have this modern era from 1972 to now. Uh, and then we have the, the, the pre-modern era. And... Uh, the, those what those drivers went through is who like even as a I, I myself to be like a real appreciate have a real appreciation for the history of NASCAR as a young kid I loved going down to Daytona and you know checking out the old sites and the stuff of the racing on the beach mm -hmm. and looking at the old cars and I love that type of stuff but it's really hard to gauge like how impactful some of these drivers were so when I talk to uh, older fans and I, we talked to talk about some of these drivers on the racetrack. Like you, one person like snickered when I threw out the name Elmo Langley. <laughs> I'm not saying that Elmo Langley is any sort of epic racer, but I mean, is is he any more of a or any less of a competitor than Ricky Stenhouse or one of the Roush cars out there? No, it was Did just a guy that was out on the track at the time, and he's actually uh, won more races than Ricky Stenhouse. <laughs> It yeah. won as many as four times in one season. Right. And Mike Joy, there have been some really uh, great comments about this. And I feel like a lot of the sensible NASCAR fans out there pretty much all agree that Kyle Busch winning 200 times is incredible. We do a winner's circle every time we do this show to highlight the winners because we know just how uh, just great it is to be, get to be first place. Yeah. There's only one winner. <laughs> Yeah. So 200 times in NASCAR is incredible, but it's not 200 cup wins that the King did. Right. And these negative comments on that, on Instagram, on Twitter and Facebook, those things get bumped up in their, in their viewability, right. especially when NASCAR goes ahead and feeds into this type of stuff because yeah. they're trying to create this buzz because maybe they feel like they need it because of all of this negative buzz about the state of the sport right. that really I feel like gets churned up by negative fans and those comments although people might engage them with positive feedback 
those comments get pushed up to the front. Mm -hmm. And as race fans, we continuously see these same types of negative posts and comments. And right. I don't like trying to tear down the legacy of great racers like Richard Petty, the King, especially when he's still here and working at the racetrack every single week. Correct. And if you think about it, you know, part of the argument is that, well, Richard was, uh, you know, running multiple times a week. Okay. But so is Kyle Busch in three different series. Good so if, if the cup series ran Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then yeah, you know, then maybe, you know, he would be a little bit close. He would be 200 cup wins, but we're talking about 200 wins in the three national series that weren't around when Richard Petty was racing. So like we said, there's the modern era, the pre-modern era, but this sort of argument could be for any sport. You can say this about uh, the home run record in baseball. You can talk about uh, quarterbacks in football, LeBron and Jordan. And yeah. So, I mean, this, this is just NASCAR's version of that. Right. And I think that, of course, that's why the media wants to engage the fans like this, but there's just, it's just some of the just absolute outrageous things that some people say when it, the one thing that got onto my skin the most was when someone was saying that Richard Petty was doing all this under daddy's money. Yeah. They were poor people from level cross North Carolina that all they had was racing. Yeah. That's what they did. And they put everything into racing and building this sport, what it is today. And Maybe some like new fans now just need to have a little more appreciation for the history of the sport and like what it took, you know, it's, yeah. it's grassroots. That's it. It's the new fans. It's the 13 and 14 year olds that have only been watching NASCAR for the last five years that are sitting there on their computers spewing this nonsense. Well, maybe NASCAR needs to get into something like the Formula One series that was debuted before the season opener last week on Netflix. Have you caught that? Uh, it's on my on my uh, list. I haven't watched it yet. It's a must-watch to everyone listening to this program. Incredible show. A great behind-the-scenes behind look. The drama between the uh, like all the, the teams. But what's, what's best, of course, is the drama within the teams. NASCAR in this age right now is a just tumultuous time. There's a lot of different opinions of which direction it should go with the uh, track contracts coming to a close in a year or so. Uh, I, I think I feel like a track like California uh, might be like on the chopping block. Like we had said earlier, I mean, they got cut down from two races to one and the mileage went from 500 to 400. So, yeah. And th those tracks were the testament to the driver and machine to be out there and, you know, at those high speeds for a lot of that time we're not really seeing those types of problems. Like we, the cars are great. We're not looking at that race on Sunday and being like, well, hun, that Buick Regal really looks strong. Maybe we should head down to the dealership tomorrow and uh, go, go with that car. We're just not looking at racing like that anymore. Right. And I, I feel like it's entered. NASCAR is so entertaining. Racing is so entertaining. And I feel like like the, the the with the old championship, I want to see more involvement. Like you said, multiple races a week. We could get into that, uh, but more with the midway races, and also I want to see more competition within. I want to see a different owners championship. Yeah, and uh, maybe we'll blog or something about that on the <laughs> website. We'll come up, but I want to see a little more inter-team rivalry, like they uh, br you know brought up on uh, that 
F1 show. Yeah. So talking about some of the younger fans, uh, that's kind of going to bring us into the next segment, uh, which is the news segment. So not much news this week as it's still early in the season, uh, but the big news that came out this week was the nominees for the 2020 class of the Hall of Fame, which include Sam Ard, Neil Bonnet, Marvin Panch, Jim Paschal, Tony Stewart, and Red Vote. So, Matt, who do you think is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Uh, well, I think in this class we'll see Tony Stewart, three-time NASCAR champion. I think he's going in uh, first time uh, after being nominated. Also, Joe Gibbs. Uh, and I don't like to forget the older guys out there and uh, also the mechanics. And, I mean, mm -hmm. they made a movie out of them. Uh, I think like, Harry Hyde's got to be in there. Uh, and Ralph Moody was the car uh, mechanic owner with uh, David Pearson. And handsome Harry Gant has been on the ballot a little bit. I think the, uh, the Skull Bandit needs to get in there. Yeah, so um, ours, ours were pretty similar. Um, I went with Buddy Baker... Neil Bonnet, Joe Gibbs, Ray Fox, and Tony Stewart. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I kind of put my list together because I feel like the trend in the last couple of years with the Hall of Fame is that they put like two of the more recent like drivers or owners, and then they'll be like, it's like a good mix of old and new. But going back to what we were saying before about some of these younger fans, they don't know who like buddy baker is or marvin panch you know so like i feel like with the with the hall of fame like you're just always gonna you can't always have the newer guys inducted because then you're gonna have all these old historic people that built the sport absolutely not in the hall of fame absolutely complete i 100 percent agree with that which is why i'm thinking about some of these mechanics and car owners uh, Ralph Moody, he was, uh, part of the, the Moody Holman car. And now John Holman's on this list. Also, he was like the business side partner to the whole thing, like the, the team owner thing. Uh, but does that really like, get you into the hall of fame in NASCAR? I, I mean, and I don't really know Ralph Moody all that much. I heard that name just thrown around, seen it in the old videos. Right. But I know how fast David Pearson was. I mean, he's second on the list in most like cup wins. So it had to be some great work being done on the car also. So I try not to forget about those guys. But you're right about the older drivers, older mechanics versus the newer drivers. But Tony Stewart is a three-time champion. And also, it's about like what you do with your name and the sport and who you are also. This is why I'm choosing a guy like Harry Gant to get in there. And although he doesn't have the wins or the championships, he's an iconic driver in NASCAR. Right. And that 33 Skull Bandit was a, a major major part of racing. In, right. in that Which time. is a surprise that, I, that you took him because, like you said, I, like, I feel like if you're in the Hall of Fame, it should be because you have the championships and the wins um, the same way you would look at the hall of fame for any other sport. You want to have those statistics, just having, just being a popular driver. I don't think is, uh, you know, should, should be a reason for you getting into the hall of fame. Like, yes, there are those drivers that are popular that have those iconic 
paint schemes that you see in old photos and stuff, but just because you had a cool paint scheme and you didn't win that much, you get to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he did win four races in a row in that one September, right? That was a pretty incredible feat of NASCAR. It's only been done a few times. Yeah. Uh, I think Kelly Yarbrough may be the only other driver that done it. Uh, could be, I may be wrong about that. Uh, we haven't asked the intern to really check on the stats much yeah, well, this season. I, I haven't even seen the intern once this season, so I don't know what's going Maybe on. Maybe because we didn't give the, we were the the college credit that we said we were going to do. <laughs> but you're right. I can see a guy like Harry Gant. I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, and I was a little torn between a guy like Harry Gant and also like you picked Buddy Baker, who was now a broadcaster also after his career and everything like that too. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, those are our picks for the nominees for the class of 2020. Yeah, hit up the uh, page, uh, Instagram, Twitter, or something if you have any ideas of who you think should be in. All right, let's, uh, let's look ahead to Martinsville next weekend. NASCAR Goes West is wrapped up now, and we're back east in Martinsville, which is probably my favorite track on the circuit. I love going to his historic paperclip flat racetrack. And yeah, we're going to talk about hot dogs, at least for the better part <laughs> of the early, the uh, half of the weekend. Yeah. And yeah, once you get to go short track racing in NASCAR, that's when uh, some guys get to make a move that you might not have had a, it's kind of like the draft in the super speedways. Yeah. So, well, like how we saw, I think it was last year when Ricky Stenhouse bumped Kyle Busch to stay on the lead lap towards the end of that stage. So, you know, this is going to be a lot of bumping and banging and just old school yeah, racing and, this weekend. And some guys get to, uh, you know, use that, uh, Use their car to get back up and up in the front. The chrome the... horn, as they say, yeah. which these cars do not have. So each time that we do a debris in turn three fan cast, uh, when we go to the next race, we like to play our fantasy worst picks between Dan and I. So this week, I'm going to pick Matt Tift because although like I was trying to say that when you go to these short tracks, you get a guy in the back who might be able to work his way up. Sometimes you might see a guy like Bubba Wallace. He led a few laps last year. Uh, but also, I've seen Martinsville just really eat up rookies, and that's why I'm going with Matt Tift. Okay. I am going to go with Chris Busher. Really? I just feel like he's not going to do that well, well would, this weekend. If, well, Busher, I feel like, sometimes has a good run on a short track. He's, I feel like he's one of these guys that could get a car like one of these midfield cars up to a top 10 position. That's going to uh, be Ryan priest, but not that's going to be his teammate, Ryan priest this season. Yeah. And I would be thinking maybe a guy like Busher might have a little trouble or something like that. Cause you yeah. never know at the short track. Yeah. Um, so now you mentioned hot dogs before <laughs> <laughs> it's all they talk about when Martinsville comes up. So it's, you know, it's a at hot least topic. on the, the, the Friday and Saturday yeah, during like practice and qualifying, they just like talk how many, you know, the crew guys had 45 hot dogs this weekend so far, or, you know, some ridiculous thing. But we wanted to continue our little game um, and do a little over under of how many times they say the word hot dog during the broadcast on Sunday. During the race broadcast on Sunday. Okay, it's got to be somewhere. I, I, 13. You're going to go there. So you're going to, so that's like our, no, so you're going to say that's over our, 13 or that's under. That's our number. So yeah. you could, like, if it's going to be over 13, it's going to be under, you make your bet over What under. do you think it's going to be? Oof. Well, I'm going to go with the, I'll go over. 
I'm gonna say okay. that, yeah, between like I know the, the, the and we'll go with the pre-race to the end. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna go under just because I feel like by the pre-race show they'll have kind of played it out. So mm. yeah. But the way these broadcasts have been so lame lately, <laughs> <laughs> that might be the only thing they're gonna have to talk about. <laughs> um. What's also uh since we are. This podcast is part of a, a fantasy racing league. Might as well talk about, uh, you know, maybe some lineup ideas or you know something for for the the guys out there that are playing along with us. Well, I'm no fantasy expert, but the Mythos Motorsports team has been doing pretty well this season. And well, the first thing I look at is you know the starting position. You get that at the little extra points. And then I just Martinsville's a tough track. It's you know, the the truck series and the the Xfinity series does not race there. It doesn't it doesn't go along. And you know the, the track no, the time, truck series is racing the there. The truck series is the, yeah. The Xfinity, Xfinity doesn't is not. So track time is a premium at Martinsville. And I've some guys with that short track experience can can get up there and make some moves, but other guys just get really have a hard time. That's on that tight, tight corners. Yeah. So I feel like if it was a mile and a half, you were putting your fantasy uh, lineup together. I'm looking at speed. You're looking at speed. Handling. You want to look at the guys that the guys that are fast, but maybe qualified uh, further back in the pack. Cause you know, they're going to make up that point differential. Right. Right. Um, but really at Martinsville, I don't think that, point def- differential is really going to come into play so much because it's a half mile. I think you're going to be wanting looking for that guy that's going to lead the most laps. So I'm thinking like a guy like Denny Hamlin, you know, is a good, uh, a good yeah. choice for Martinsville. He's definitely a ra- former race winner at Martinsville, but also I've seen young drivers. Like I think in his rival at Martinsville, I think Chase Elliott could have a good race. I think he needs to get Hendrick motorsports back up uh, yeah. into, you know, competing for a race victory. Uh, and then, I mean, how can you take uh, the Penske cars out right now? Because yeah, yeah. if it wasn't for Kyle Busch winning last week, getting that 200th win, uh, then it was going to be Joey Logano was right there in second place. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, we all remember Joey Logano getting <laughs> taken out. That's uh, his uh, Martinville fame. Yeah. But Which means Gibbs is going to be up there. I mean, just as they have been these last couple of weeks it's pretty much been penske and gibbs and how the- how many times are we going to hear about is martin truex going for his first short track victory right so and he's been coming on strong in the races so far the early part of the season uh maybe he needs to get his first win over at gibbs in that 19 car that maybe that happens on sunday so right. there's a lot to look forward to at the short tracks i look for ryan priest to hopefully be able to move up um he had a tough break last weekend. Uh, it was a hard race. Uh, I mean, the horsepower and hot day, rough racetrack in mm-hmm. California. But I think around this little half mile paperclip, all that modified short track racing could be a benefit. And the same goes for a lot of the other guys that have raced late models and uh, might be able to take the advantage of uh, other guys rough riding and ending up in the wall with some issues. And uh, if you can also bang up your car a little bit and still hang in the race and find yourself at a top finish. Yeah, we're always rooting for Ryan Priest, no matter what. He's our guy. So It feels good to have a guy again. Yeah. It, it was a few... I, I always, and I still do, like 
several drivers in the race and I'm constantly pulling for uh, different drivers. And sometimes the way I pull for race car drivers is the way I watch college football games is that I might be uh, rooting for uh, USC or something at one point and then uh, maybe, I don't know, LSU is like coming back in this bowl game and they're looking like they're going to win. They take the lead. And then I'm like, all right, great. So they you're just probably... a bandwagon fan when it comes to college football. Well, I just like to see like the good game and yeah. I like to see a good competition. And like, I'm not a Ricky Stenhouse fan, but man, this guy, like you just mentioned, like last year, you bumped the leader Kyle Bush out yeah. of the way I to get back. I can't believe that you like him. <laughs> I don't really like Ricky Stenhouse, <laughs> but he's just, He's been a competitor. He's been getting himself on the TV. And he's, I mean, where, where is Jimmy Johnson this season? Uh, this guy's a seven time champion. He just, he's lost in the field. And should we both buy uh, Ryan Priest shirts and wear them to Pocono? <laughs> walking in. Yeah. Well, there's only one shirt for yeah. Ryan Priest. Well, you, you can get it in black. I'll get it in gray. And then we could. Oh, you want me to wear the black shirt? The the, the fat guy to wear the black shirt in the summertime. Oh, don't worry. I got my handkerchief right here. You're patting my... No, we're in the shade, remember? Oh, that's right. We're up top. You picked the the shady seats. I'm psyched about going to Pocono this season. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll be posting from from Pocono. We'll probably go live or do some stuff in the stories. I keep saying I really want to get down to Martinsville also. This is a must-go-to race for me as far as I'm concerned. Um, I know we talked about this on the show, but like we are going to what, what it would, if you had to pick like one like dream track right now to go to, what would it be? Darlington. Darlington. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Darlington. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've been to Charlotte, Daytona, New Hampshire. I just like you went to Talladega, which is probably all I'd like to go there too, but I'd rather do Darlington over any other track. Yeah. Yeah. Darlington right now for me too. Yeah. The only thing is with Don, I know a lot of people love the Labor Day weekend uh race there but yeah. uh, to me that that weekend is a tough weekend to get out of new york yeah uh, the end of the summer it's beautiful weather up here and kind of like want to go away to a race sometime <laughs> <laughs> all right i think that does it for this week uh we're going to be back in two weeks after the o'reilly auto parts 500 from texas motor speedway so until then look out for our martinsville recap uh next week you can find that on debris and turn three Have a great weekend and enjoy the races.